Welcome, my name is Sarah Carey and welcome to a collaborative podcast between Women in Media from Ballybunion in County Kerry and Angie Mazzetti's Women in Leadership podcast. Uh, we're here today to drag just a little bit back to the Women in Media um, conference that takes place in Ballybunion every Easter but has been cancelled for the last three years because of COVID. So few of us have come down to try and get the ball rolling again. Welcomed by Joan O'Connor, owner of Kukuli's Hotel, who founded the Women in Media conference here many years ago. So it's a delight to be back here. And uh, Angie Mazzetti, thank you for hosting us uh, from Women in Media. My pleasure, my pleasure. So Barbara Scully, a columnist and broadcaster, is going to be our host and keep us all um, in order here today. Barbara, what are we going to talk about? Well, that's going to be a difficult, difficult job considering the three women I have in front of me. Okay, let me just uh, again say we have Sarah Carey, a columnist with the Irish Independent. We have Angie Mazzetti from the Women in Leadership podcast. And we also have Carol Hunt, um, who is a government, former government advisor and also columnist um, and today we're going to talk about the three H's um, so stay tuned to find out what those three H's are but we're going to kick off with the very first one which is hair and I'm going to hand over to Sarah Carey because I feel I'm going to get a slight battering in this one well, to kick us off. a lot of stuff has happened over the past three years. Covid was a difficult time. People made radical changes in their lives. <laughs> one day I woke up and Barbara had put a photograph of herself on Twitter I rang our mutual friend, C is all I would call her. I said, what is she doing? Barbara had, instead of carefully curating images of herself, as we all do, airbrushed, hair perfect makeup, had let her hair go grey, as many people do and did during COVID. I thought it was one of the most subversive Ooh. radical acts Ooh. and uh, and I did realize that my reaction to it was more about me than you but I still would like you to explain what on earth you were doing well, that sounds like account for yourself <laughs> yeah yes. but I love the fact that she said it's radical and subversive I dream about being a subversive <laughs> radical but I'm not brave enough to be but I am lazy enough to kind of go Oh, you know what? It wasn't, I'd love to say this was a thought through radical political statement on my part. It wasn't. I mean, when COVID hit in first and um, the hairdressers closed and like most women of my age, uh, I was, and I'm, I've been a brunette all my life, uh, my hair, you know, I started to worry about my hair as the roots started to appear. And I was still doing a little bit of telly. Um, and so I was, I, do you remember the hairdressers all were saying, please don't be putting in these dyes yourself. Wait for us to come back, buy a spray. And you couldn't get a spray. Spray and flour, yeah. you couldn't get in Dunn's. So I was getting the sprays and I was spraying the hell out of the grey bits. which were getting, And those sprays are horrible. They make your hair feel sticky and dirty and yuck. So I abandoned that. Then I decided to buy these online, these things, they were like yoga headbands. So they were like wide oh headbands. Oh. And I thought maybe that might give me a kind of hippie vibe. No, but when women start wearing those, they look like eight-year-olds. It's really weird. Well, actually, I just looked yeah. like some kind of mad nun. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't look eight-year-old because my face isn't eight-year-old. So I actually looked like a mad, multicolored kind of nun. So in the end, I thought, who am I fooling? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not seeing anybody. I'm just going to let it go. And actually, as the grey took hold, I mean, when, when you've only got a bit, it looks awful. But as, as it took hold, I kind of went, I actually like this. And at one stage, I tried to dye my hair blonde because my hairdresser said, you're, you know, you're fighting a losing battle here because I wanted to be the dark brown I always was. And, when, and they made me blonde, kind of blonde. And I didn't recognise myself. I didn't know who I was. But actually, when, when my silver 
not great, <laughs> hair came in, I thought, I actually quite like this. Now, I do look like my, my, my mother, who died at 86 earlier this year, and I, I know I now look very like her because she had uh, silver hair as well, and especially when I tie it back. But thank you for telling me it's <laughs> radical and political, because I'm now going to say to people it's political. But Karen, what did you think? Like, I mean, I know it's authentic, but our society is based on norms, and sometimes we don't even what the, know what those norms are or notice them until someone starts doing something different. And women dye their hair. It's a rule. And the, it, I think it's kind of two things. One is that um, it's a problem about ageism, that we don't like older people. It's seen as, you know, you're fading in life or whatever. Youth is everything in this society. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, you've got the gender thing and that women must be sexually attractive mm -hmm. and sexual attraction is associated again with youth, not with age. So, And it's also associated with power. And to look at it, this from a different point of view, yeah. When women's dyes were first introduced and when women started using them, it actually enhanced their life hugely because they didn't look older. They actually looked younger for longer. Therefore, they had more power. They were able to go, um, have longer careers. They were able to engage in different activities that they weren't able to do before. So it was a, it was a huge plus. Now, I do agree with, Bar with, uh, with Sarah saying that you are being very, very subversive and very <laughs> radical and very brave. And I don't know how you would do it. Uh, I would not have the bravery to do that. Is it about saying, is it signaling saying, um, I don't need to be or don't care about being sexually attractive? I think it's I'm enough. I think yeah. it's I'm enough. And I think it's also, and it's not that I don't care about how I look. I mean, I do brush my hair. <laughs> I do wash really? my hair. This morning, do, Yes, I did. <laughs> and I do try to make it look the best I can. But I do think we have a huge problem with ageism. I hate the whole idea that when women in particular get to a certain age, that they're meant to just fade quietly away. Um, and that No chance age, of that with you. Yeah, right? no, and that to age is, is, is somehow to fail. Um, and I also was, I suppose, when I came across Gloria Steinem, who I would have a lot mm -hmm. of time for, American feminist, um, and she, her famous quote about women get more radical with age. Someday an army of grey haired women may take over the world. I'm like, yes, because women as they get, I have found being, well, I'm not the elder lemon here, <coughs> Angie. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not the grey one. <laughs> Touche. So Angie, what, so you have not but gone I, down that road. Well, Why I not? sort of did because COVID made us that way. And I did buy, went down to the chemist and bought a purple shade. I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go radical. I did the purple. It's still sitting in the cabinet because I wasn't radical enough to actually put it in. <laughs> so it's just sitting there. makes you just look mad. I, I wouldn't have minded. I wouldn't have minded that. But, 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 but Angie, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. Sorry, just one thing. Yeah. Uh, Carol said about it. Women had power when they had hair color. I kind of think that might have been then, but I think mm. now it's probably if people don't see you as sexually attractive, they just see you as equal and there's no sex comes into the equation, particularly when you're in a room with men, they just see you as somebody else, yeah. not a woman. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I think there might be a power in that. You don't think there's a judgment that they've let themselves go? There probably is, but you look at any men at, at that yeah. age and they're kind of going bald and yeah. very you know paunchy yeah. and nobody says they let themselves go so I remember discussing it once with a hairdresser and saying oh, why can't I just be Christine Lagarde mm. she's got great hair oh, great. and looks amazing and everybody so respects her and he said Sarah you'll never be Christine Lagarde <laughs> and I don't think he was just talking about the hair but does it matter 
I mean, are there women in those senior positions who are given a lead and using their if gray as an of, advantage? Not only that, but they have a set hairstyle that never changes. Look at the Queen. She's had the same hairstyle. In, you know, the one who's head of the European Commission, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, yeah. same haircut, uh-huh. sprayed to bits, like nothing moves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, so their hair can't be commented on because it never changes. And it means that yeah. the, the, the it, it's out of the equation. Uh, and unlike uh, poor Hillary, who sh- could have taken advice from yes. that quarter. Or Angela Merkel, mm-hmm. who had this uniform that she wore yeah. all the way through her presidency so it stops because the co- it discussion. stops the conversation. And that was quite deliberate. On yes, it was part. very deliberate. Yeah. But I do think that women get stymied by this judgment. And we learn about it from the time we're small girls, mm. that no matter what we achieve in life, we will first and foremost be judged on how we look. Because you are. And I think that's maybe the bit where I struggle. I know that... Um, say I started out my broadcasting career where I used to be on questions and answers quite a lot and every time I was in questions and answers the comments I would get the next day was your hair was gorgeous that was uh, the number one thing and your, you know and, and who was it the breakfast TV uh, co-host in Australia where the guy wore the same, same suit, suit every single day for a year and nobody ever noticed but my point is people do notice what the women the woman is wearing so therefore there's no point fighting it you just have to go with it no 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 absolutely no when i was reading news it's the one thing people zone in on your hair they don't even hear what you're saying they say oh and they would say to you afterwards your lipstick was the wrong color yeah i didn't like that suit on you or you know it was amazing and the guy's like come in in the suit and the whatever color tie. So how did you react to that then? Did you try to be as conservative as possible or as fancy as possible or what was your... No, well you see you got a budget for your your clothes anyway and you know at one point I was looking for another budget because I kind of extended everything I could wear and I remember saying I'm going to wear the same thing for the next four or five times. Do you think any man on the newsroom team noticed? Not. They're like why? You know, they they didn't get that. It's so it's the women judging more often than not. It's women judging. The That's first person I, I would always have um, contacting me afterwards on my hair or whatever I was wearing was always my mother. Yes, every oh, yeah. single time. Uh, yeah. But it got to the stage that I decided just to wear a uniform of black and white. I would always wear just black and white and the hair mainly in the same way so that it would be quite similar um, and less choice, less distraction. So the Merkel strategy yeah. then. Okay. But I do think yeah. that older women, because I think you said earlier, I think you said earlier something about, you know, you stopped giving as much yeah. of a hoot mm. about what people think about you as you get older. And I think that happens. Well, in my experience, that happened increasingly when I turned 40. I remember suddenly thinking, actually, I don't really care as much about what people think about great how I look that, or what yeah. I say. And that increased with every decade. I'm now at the stage... I actually don't give a flying fig what you think about how I look, about whether I've aged, about whether I haven't aged, about whether I've given up, whether I've sold out. I don't care. But I do think that women of a certain age, we almost, that's a fight we can fight much better for women in general than younger women can, okay, but who what do age? need to be still or sexually attractive in order to find a mate or whatever. But what age do you think is it okay for a woman to be grey? Whenever she wants. Whenever she wants. Or Carol? I I would agree with Barbara whenever she wants. Um, If I thought this silver would suit me as much as it suits Barbara, I would definitely go for it. 
but it doesn't. Um, and I would have to admit then the vanity kicks in and I did get the highlights done during COVID. Yeah. But just on ageing, that I'm, uh, and a story, my mother is 82. Her, she had friends over um, the other night for the book club. They talk about the book for five minutes and then they get on to, I call it the sex and wine club. Yeah. They just basically drink wine and talk about sex. They're in their 80s and they are glammed up to the nines. But does no that men. always happen when women meet women, women with same. women and they love it. They, they absolutely love well, it. They get the, the voice hair done. in my head mm-hmm. when I'm getting ready is my friend who will absolutely criticise me nine times out of ten when, she, when I meet her. You see, I wonder, did I have a slight advantage because of the fact that I'm tall? And I've always been tall. So I've always been outside the norm of everybody yeah. else. Do you know what I mean? Because when you're, when you're, I mean, before I kind of put on weight, I was... I was often referred to as big. God, you're really big. You know, in school, mm. I was the big girl. So I kind of have always been slightly outside the norm. And but maybe that not, makes not it not everybody. Easier. Everybody feels a bit outside in some I ways. I don't know, you see. Yeah. Maybe, well, I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, I was always slagged for being skinny and bony and, you know, and having a strange yeah, name. Yeah, scrawny. Yeah. scrawny, yeah. I don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, you're always picked out. I used to say, and when I got married, I changed my name to my married name. And people still slag me about that. So I went back to using my maiden name. So I think if your name is Murphy, if your name is Smith, it doesn't matter. People are going to slag you about something. But what about that idea of women policing women? That, you know, there's a lot of misogyny in men. I think it comes back to nature. It's it's like what Barbara was saying. You're you're comparing yourself with a a partner. It's it's a, a... it's a Neanderthal thing, you know, you're competing for a mate. And that's the right. root of it all, really. Yeah. I think we have to kind of cop on to that. Okay. okay well, and it's like when you realise it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. okay. So so grey is good, but not yet for most Can of I us. Can I tell my grey story? Oh, yes. So I got halfway in uh, to the grey. And I was saying, yeah, I can kind of cope with this. I need to lash on a bit more foundation because I was looking very pale. And then when we were finally allowed to go back to the hairdressers, which to me is like therapy. So I go into my hairdresser, who I've been going to for 40 years. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, are you sure you want to stay grey? And like three seconds, I said, no. So uh, he put the colour back in and I went out feeling a million dollars. And I didn't care what anybody else thought. I felt better. Yeah. You know what, for all the fact that you started this by saying I was radical and whatever, I'm not sure that I would have done this if it hadn't been for COVID. If I hadn't been able to get the whole way you know, without the hairdressers, which yeah. is what happened. You know, I'm not sure that I would have stuck with it and, and had the conviction to do it. I just make one final point on the hair. I remember years ago reading an article, I think it was in the Irish Times, it was about immigration and um, asylum seekers and refugees and that. And the reporter had met a woman seeking um, um, asylum in a cafe and she was remarking on how rich Irish society was. And she said, look around you, every woman in this cafe has been to the hairdresser. It's something we take for granted. Mm. Yeah. And I'm always conscious in conversations like this how middle class it really, yes, it really is. is. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But the other yeah. thing I would say is that once you let your hair go grey, your expenditure in the hairdresser goes down significantly. Oh, I know. I can't wait. I mean, I was spending 100 euros <laughs> every part. month to sort my hair out. So, yeah. you know, yeah. there is a saving to be say, made. It's mm. not just a middle class thing. Mm. I think working class women... <laughs> Oh, yes. Are yeah. brilliant at well, their it's, hair it's a Western well. society. Yes, Absolutely. it is. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. My next H, which obviously I know <laughs> nothing about, even though I've grey hair, <laughs> is HRT. Carol, do you want to kick off? <laughs> do you want to kick off? Because I know 
This yes. is something you've been thinking about. Yes, well, I was at my GP the other uh, week, and, and I'm sure everybody knows there's a shortage of HRT patches continually. And um, and she asked me, well, did I want to stay on them? I said I would actually go to China myself <laughs> to get them. Uh, also, I'm thinking of a, a new... Um, a new business instead of you know going into illegal drugs i'm sure there's a huge business in under the counter illegal imported hrt black market hrt, black market HRT. HRT patches <laughs> i swear to god we could make a fortune girls i don't know what the word why is, is there a shortage to. i actually sarah researched this yeah this so it's a combination of you know supply chain issues which are happening in a lot of supply chains with different products around the world but demand mm. and uh they're in england they're tracing a lot of it to davina mccall's series that she did um, on the menopause and that demand for HRT absolutely shot up that a lot of women had been turned off asking for it you know there was a lot of um, fear around HRT think, for about 20 years I think years. the breast cancer link when the, which was yes. which of course was, was wrong debunked, yeah. uh, absolutely and I think that has been completely debunked and GPs are really really pushing that going no this is not true it does not you know, yeah. That's what put me off. I never went on because I just saved a fortune on the central <laughs> heating. <laughs> <laughs> I did my bit for society or for, for the climate, climate change. change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I remember sitting in, in a living room with some friends visiting over once and it was getting quite late in the evening. It was in the middle of winter. And I was sitting there in kind of a straight top. Like, <laughs> it's fine. And they're all sitting there shivering <laughs> with rugs on. I said, do you want me to put on the heat? And they went, yes. <laughs> I will give a special mention to Joe Duffy, though. Oh, he was great. He really yeah, kicked yeah, this yeah, off um, in Ireland when women started ringing in. And these yeah. were women who had been really sick, yeah. like mm. really, really ill. And very brave and very honest because some of them said, I've been a complete bitch. Oh, right. <laughs> because yes, their, yeah. their hormones were so. playing with their emotions and their temper. Because if you're not feeling well, you are going to be like that. Yeah. You know? So he and he gave them an airing and what really came out of that was how many GPs just had not been taking uh, women's yes. symptoms seriously. Mm-hmm. They weren't being treated. They were being given antidepressants. Like there was genuine medical mistreatment yeah. going on. That's not on. just menopause. That yeah. is just from Across a woman's life right from, <laughs> from adolescence mm. right the way through. Yeah. yeah, that and we're kind of you know. I mean, they, you often hear about how men are reluctant to go to doctors, and and women are much better because we're more in tune with our bodies. Because from the time be. we reach puberty, we're we're kind of we have to tune into what's going on with our bodies so that we know how to manage our uh, our our uh, uh, periods and all the rest of it. Uh, but I do think that women, because we we I think have a higher pain threshold, we're more used. To, we do tend to minimise yes. what's up with us, and we don't go. But I think the other, and I know you've some issues around menopause in general, but the the other thing I think that happens is that when you get to a certain age, whatever symptoms you have, whether it's migraine, whether mm-hmm. it's tiredness or, or whatever, you think, oh, it's menopause. And it can mask. Like when I developed diabetes, the, my, my overriding symptom was this huge tiredness. I could not get my energy back. And I assumed must be menopause and it was only when I googled you know kind of overweight 56 year old woman very tired what <laughs> and the first thing that came back wasn't menopause Ping. was diabetes but one thing that I thought was interesting about the conversation was so it's really really positive and really really important that 
women are now discovering actually I do not have to suffer like this yes. and there is a proper treatment and HRT is brilliant for protecting you from heart disease osteoporosis you know loads of conditions so are it's really serious? good I'm going to my GP next week oh yeah. it's really yes. important and um, better hair better yeah, skin no I spoke to one doctor who said it's amazing like it actually should be in the water so yeah. even if you're not suffering you know from specific Ooh. symptoms it's very very protective I don't know if I'd be taking yeah. if you didn't need it I, yeah. I, I don't know if well, I'd take I'm it sorry. if you don't I need don't it. want to overplay Just but is it kind of like with sufferon, you know, the, well, well, if you're like the mother in the light bulb? No, it yeah. has very specific general health protective properties. And the big ones are um, heart disease and osteoporosis, and there are others. Um, however, then suddenly I'm opening up my paper every single day and uh, there are articles about brain fog and how it's just like dementia and mood swings and... I wrote a column about it in the Irish Independent and I started off by quoting from arguments against giving women the vote when the suffrage movement began yes, yeah. in the early 20th <laughs> yeah. century. And you had men saying, but, you know, women suffer from violent mood swings and... We're back even, to Rousseau. Yeah, and women I, are irrational. Yeah, and even then as they are finished with their pregnancies and their fertile life, then all these other symptoms take over and they simply cannot be trusted with the responsibility of making decisions. And some of the things that the anti-suffrage campaigners were saying were mirroring exactly what the kind of menopause campaigners were saying and they were talking about in the workplace oh you should just be able to say if you've forgotten something well this is the brain fog from menopause and I was saying stop stop we've spent 100 years persuading men that we're not irrational not governed by hormones can be trusted with responsibility and we are saying human beings and now you're telling them no we need special allowances because our hormones are But you just said, you, you just made the point, we've spent the last hundred years yeah. showing men. Yeah. So we're still living in the male world. Yes. And that's exactly yes. the thing that is wrong with But this. how does we it... That was, I, was, I was just yes. going to say that. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that feminism, and I hope is starting to realise now, is that we have sought to become equal in a world that has been designed by men, for men. men but how Instead does, of changing the if, world. If, if you want to be in positions of power and leadership, Angie, so I really want to hear your view on this. So if you want to be in the C-suite, let's say, how can that be done and achieved in a confident way if uh, everyone... And remember, there's a time when your career yeah. has matured. You've left the child if care behind. If you can get past that 30, 35 age group, you're, you're okay. But I mean, what I hear from women, senior women leaders on the podcast all the time is that people with power do not want to relinquish it. So it's just a natural response. So you really have to push really hard against that. And you find men uh, in senior leadership with daughters are much more understanding. So we but on our own are never going to get it. So we really have to learn. They're not going to give it to you. You have to push and you have to look for it. But what I'm saying is, I don't think I want understanding and allowances mm. made. How is that not a patronising? Look at it. But even look at the word. Sorry, the patroni- patronising right. is a word. Pater comes from the father. So, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And again, the other word, hysterical. It's yes. hysteros, which means it's the Latin for... But, imagine, you know, yeah. the but imagine a world where we did have equality, where in the C-suite or the boardroom, mm-hmm. there were slightly more women than men. And the women were going, yeah, I know, it's terrible, isn't yeah. it? No, but what I'm, talking about. But what and suddenly I'm, we're not in the bank What foot. I'm talking about is that there are these features and articles saying that women are cognitively impaired yeah. by this condition. 
And how can you make claims to equality if you're saying, but I am cognitively impaired? Look to the evidence. Look to the evidence. Look at violence. Look at debt. Look at gambling. Look at wars. Look at all the irrational things that are going on in the world and who is causing them. It's mainly men. Look at Putin and his cabinet. Is there any woman around that? No, no. No, but I'm talking about you in the meeting Mm -hmm. and you can't remember something oh I don't know about uh, you know what happened there and do you want them nudging each other saying oh that'll be the the, the dementia like you have to not care my advice would be and I I said this in my column is if you can't remember something you say oh I think that uh, version is out for another iteration I'll review that and get back to you (laughs) and not oh god it must be the the hormones the evidence from boardrooms says that you know when you get more more women in the room yes the balance yes. changes a tipping point at 30 yes. percent. that's what the 30 yeah. percent club is about it's not that we want 30 percent, but if you get beyond 30 percent, the balance is better the governance of uh, uh, an organization is better it reflects their consumer base better and that's so, the, so, the same the so women over. in leadership andy are you or angie are yeah. you saying that if someone is saved in a senior position in an organization that they should say in the room in front of men, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling well, oh, it's the menopause. Why would you say that at all? Exactly. <laughs> but you see, if you yeah. had a man coming in, so say, and this happened a lot years ago, I don't know whether it's still like that, but there was a corporate culture where men went on the drink and yeah. they came in the next day with a head, uh, with a, you know, a a head on the hangover. And people say, oh, I had a great night last night, forgive me if I'm not great. And people go, make allowances for the men. Do you know what I mean? And it was nearly it's all men at the change. time. But you, yeah. you would still say to women not to say it. I wouldn't say it, would yeah. you? Yeah, that's, that's my yeah. point. I don't I'll think I'll tell you, you one story it. if I can come back to the hormones. <laughs> I was uh, doing a bit of filming for the Irish Hospice Foundation and we were in uh, the emergency room in a very large Dublin hospital. And they had just put in a new suite, um, you know, for people looking at the, the dead body. So it would be done with reverence. And the Hospice Foundation had a fantastic system where they got a designer in. So there was a nice green sofa instead of black. And then there was a nice cover with a Celtic design. So there was no religious overtones, right? So I'm there. It's quite a small room. So this was about well, peak menopause time for me. And we had the camera and we had the lights. And we had the interviewees, you know, talking about how wonderful all this was. And then there was a professor long retired now so he's not going to be named i didn't name the hospital either did i know anyway so he's there and i said you know is it very warm in here or is it just me and i'm you know and he goes dear it's just you oh and i went you yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm a doctor. Yeah, I know. and you're just a feeble woman having a sweat. <laughs> Listen, we'll move on. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just to remind, I'm Sarah Carey, Angie Mazzetti, Carol Hunt and Barbara Scully. And Thank we're you. all here in Ballybunion, women in media and women in leadership, having a chat about the three H's. So and we've our done, last H. We've done hair and HRT. I'm beginning to think we're like old crones now sitting around the table, just gabbing on a, about what's aging. What's the problem You did that? a piece on oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll all embrace yeah. our inner crone. Anyway, we're going to talk about hooked things were hooked oh, on yes. um, and I'm going to start with Angie because I think the thing that she's hooked on probably says a lot it might mean you need to see somebody talk to are somebody are you talking about the naked attraction or the, the program I'm talking about, about hoarders let's, let's take both but let, let's start with your your obsession with the hoarding programs okay I love hoarding programs okay because uh, it makes me feel good that I'm not as bad as I thought I was <laughs> and we were talking about dresses and clothes that we, we held on to before we came so I have gotten rid of most stuff that I have maybe my wedding dress I've held on to but I'm really good at packing up old clothes and getting rid of them and now I have a daughter who's into vintage clothes and she said to me 
where's your stuff from the 70s? Where's your stuff from the so 80s? And I'm like, Vincent DePaul years ago, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love the Hoarding Boxes. I love the stories behind them. And there's always like a, an emotional trauma. It could be a, a dead husband, a dead parents. I remember a really emotional one about uh, some dead parents. So the, the, the woman who was in this hoarding mess had all her parents' clothes. Their, they'd had a fabulous life. They were kind of jet-setter crowd. And she was kind of this very low, only uh, isolated person just living in the past yeah. you know so and then you'd find a lot of them would love Christmas decorations and they will hoard mountains of Christmas decorations hideous looking tinsely crap you know yeah. but like it reminds them and it anchors them at a time when things were happy and things were nice so I love the psychology bit behind it and I also love the you know that when I'm finished and the next morning I get up and I start clearing out loads of shit. <laughs> not going to be that person we come back yeah. to your second obsession no I'm not talking about that one yeah, no, you are, yeah, because you admitted to it last night and now it's on the agenda, so we're going to talk to Carol, what, what are you hooked on? What oh, can you not live without? I suppose, well, and, and especially since COVID, mm. um, it's quite boring, but it's yoga. Um, and what was brilliant, actually, during COVID, because you could do the online yoga, you could just get up out of your bed onto your yoga mat, and then I'd have my desk just beyond that. So yes. basically living in the one room. Yeah. <laughs> but do you find it becomes a thing that you just can't do without? You don't feel right. Yeah, I don't feel right. If I haven't done it, my head doesn't feel right, my body doesn't feel right. Yoga's meant to be really good yeah. at coming back to getting older mm-hmm. as you get exactly. older. Too. Would you stop talking injuries. about getting older? Sarah. But we are, we're You're all getting me. older. Live so with it. Yourself. I'm fine. I'm forever 42. So, so I'm mean, 28. It's funny, yes. isn't it? Yoga's, yoga, yoga's yeah. your big thing. Sarah, what's your thing that you're Well, you see, I, addicted wa- to? I was addicted to Twitter and I was doing one of those things where I just look. I won't say Dangerous, anything. I'll yeah. just look. And then an hour and a half, I'm still furiously typing away at my keyboard. So I really and need... And setting to... fire to Twitter on a very regular basis. <laughs> I never meant to. <laughs> so I uh, finally managed to wean myself off Twitter. And I started then Wordle, which again was a COVID thing. And everything was fine. The guy who designed Wordle designed it so that it would only be one a day. So people would not become addicted to it. And that then didn't work, Sarah. It didn't work. Found the Wordle archive. And suddenly <laughs> up at 3 a.m. And oh then come on if I didn't get it in three I'd be disgusted four yeah okay if I got to five or six I really felt like it failed so fortunately the New York Times shut down the World archive. archive and I thought that's it I'm saved so for about three weeks I was on the one a days it was like the fags and really. then would you wait up till midnight to get the new one uh, no I, once I found the archive I didn't need to no but once the archive went and you were waiting anxiously oh, yes. yeah. you'd wait till midnight but now my ten year old showed me this thing Wordle Unlimited oh, and they're wow. all there so I've kicked off again but I have diversified into Sudoku's just the easy ones and uh, and tiles on the New York Times so I'm now an absolute puzzle freak and that's so. going to be very good for you uh, getting older you know offset oh, dementia Alzheimer's <laughs> I, I did read somewhere once that people say if you do those puzzle things it's good for your brain they said actually all it does is make you better at yes. doing puzzles oh, yeah. right. my yeah. other addiction I meant to say was yeah. Duolingo I do Duolingo on that Come and if it's should. coming up it's a language learning exactly. uh, app oh that was very I must be psychic oh, you are well they, they say learning a language brain. is really good for your brain and yeah. you know holding off but, but are you in this circle where I believe I haven't done it though you get loads of points and rewards and good feedback Absolutely. when you're starting off and then yeah. you reach a certain point where it starts to get a bit hard and then the returns are slightly diminishing so people start a new language whatever the psychology is behind it it's great but also because of an Italian name and it goes back to 1877 so I have no idea whereabouts we came from in Italy right but since I was about six or seven people have been trying to teach me Italian like even in primary school I had a teacher who was you know sneak me a little 
Ciao. Yeah, zucchero. So you Italian from this Duolingo then? Well, yeah, well, I've done bits of Italian over the years and I had a great week away in Arezzo a couple of years ago. Just myself and my sister went off and we did a week just language learning and that was just brilliant. So many wonderful things happened that week. It was just that's great that's, fun. Yeah. Sounds like there's a story there. So oh, I don't know. But there. it is incredible. Yeah. Sounds like you something can... you'd dream about. <laughs> young well, I'll tell you all. one really nice story. There was a, a man on the course who was a composer. Uh, a jazz composer. So we went for an exploration around the town one day and we went into a church and the acoustics were great in there. So he started singing around. I can't even remember what it was, but it's um, it was an Italian round, so you know, like three blind mice yeah. and somebody starts and then. So he taught it to us. And then my sister and myself and himself sang it in three rounds in the church, in this place. And it was just magical. It was just one of those things. You're just taking to a new level until... This nun comes out, tiny little oh, nun comes out, and Jesus. she said, "Leave the nuns alone." Leave it to the nuns. She says, the poor nuns. "Do you mind? We're trying to See? pray." Oh yeah, reckon it. Sister Singh is to pray twice, isn't that what Saint Augustine said? Yeah. So, uh, well, we had to stop, and it was a magical moment, you know, a spiritual moment. And but it, it, it does go to that point about how you keep learning new things, mm. keep doing new things, seeking out new experience, seeking out but new people. The round, yeah. what you mentioned before, yeah. people saying that doing wordle or puzzles mm, or yeah. crosswords keeps them from getting dementia, as you said, doesn't. Anything that's repetitious, there's only very limited value in it. It's yes. about yeah. making new connections. Ma- friendship, apparently, yeah. is really yeah. important to keeping your brain healthy. Is you know meeting with friends. But wasn't being there with something friends. on Twitter there not so long ago that saying people after thirty don't make new friends? I thought that was bizarre. Yeah, and Jeremy and Greer always said you should make new friends all your life because otherwise you just keep having the same conversations. Yeah, with there people. is. Yeah, and I, I thought that was great. Actually, yeah. another woman on the a fantastic woman, Dion Johnson, she said to me on the podcast, she said. Um, um, meet people before you need them. I oh. thought that was really good. She said she, she got that advice from somebody else. She said it's really such so if it's somebody you like and somebody you think are great, just, just offer to make you know meet them for a cup of tea or a coffee or something like that. And uh, you know you'll find you're making networks, but it takes a bit of courage. Yeah, I do that a lot. I do that a lot. I know we're yeah. all kind of vaguely media related. Yeah. But I think I came across all of you guys on Twitter before um, I ever met you in real life. I met you on the bus, but I think we met but we on were Twitter back, beforehand. Yeah, I think we knew each other from Twitter yeah. before. Yeah, and I have made friends bus. from Twitter. I'm, I'm, I really I have. have. Most of my friends now at this age, I made on Twitter. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isn't and that was yeah. one of the reasons I was actually a bit sad to give it up because it is social. You know, we yeah, talk about is. social media, yeah. but it actually is social. Yeah. You need to get did the you, Why did you give up Twitter? Was there a misogyny or a hate No, it was, no, to be honest, it was, no, Shinner abuse. You know, I would write a column and there'd be a headline on it or they'd screenshot a sentence, you know, and because it was behind a paywall, they'd never actually read the article or persuade people that I had said something the complete opposite of what I said. So you say I was setting fires. A lot of the time I had never set any fire at all. Yeah, but, but someone, be a pile on them. But someone had taken a sentence and said, oh, this is classist, she means this, And there definitely that. is a cohort of people waiting for Sarah yeah. Kerry yeah. to tweet yeah. in order to have to get offended so, by um, whatever she tweets. So even when I was doing absolutely nothing, like there'd be days I'd be at home in my kitchen, never tweeted, never said anything, and suddenly people start sending me texts saying, yeah. oh, you're changing again. And I'd have done nothing. So, um, Barbara's looking at Scats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just thinking. So, it ju- I just got tired. It was that. just, uh, you know, I was fairly resilient for a long time, but I just yeah. got tired of it. And um, so, I just try and just do my own thing now. But it's fine. It's delivered me into doing other things. Mm. And uh, like Wordle. Exactly, exactly. Well, my obsession, um, which isn't really an obsession, but I suppose it's a bit like, it's a bit boring, but it is something that my day isn't, 
No, I'm not saying <laughs> you said I'm yours saying, was I'm boring. Like I'm not saying it not. isn't boring. Yeah, no, I'm not agreeing with you, but you said it. It's my foxes in the garden, and I get oh, upset yes. if my fox doesn't arrive at night for his supper. For more than like, if there's two, three nights in a row that he hasn't arrived, I'm a bit like, um, and I'm sure my neighbours hate me um, because of the fact that I'm standing at the, gr- at the at the back door going, Gary, Gary, your supper's here. <laughs> As me, Why the Gary, by the way, he's Gary. Well, I've had a few foxes. The first lot, we had, we had four foxes that grew. That we had a fox that gave birth to cubs under our cabin office in the garden about four years ago, and it was during the presidential um, election. So I named them Sean, uh, Gavin, uh, Joan, and Sean, Gavin, and Joan. There must be somebody else. Can't you? These were all presidential candidates. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there was only three of them. Um, But so, so Gavin was my favorite. And then they, so Gavin and Joan disappeared fairly quickly. Gavin and thing anyway, urban foxes only live for about two years. Most of them get, even though their lifespan in the wild is about seven. So now this new fox, he's just called Gary the Fox. I don't know why they're always men. Again, probably because we live in a patriarchy. We seem to give them all male <laughs> names automatically. Uh, but yeah, so my day isn't right if I don't... Uh, but if, you, if I've started following you hugely at that time. I was waiting for the updates all the time. Yeah, they're no, it's so magic. Cute, I mean, yeah. I'm totally obsessed. And the older I get, Sarah, the more I'm obsessed <laughs> with nature and wildlife and and all of that. And I hanker. Yeah. Somebody mentioned living in the country earlier. Yeah, I do Actually, somebody on Twitter country. was saying, you know, the younger people when they're in their 30s slagging their parents age and they said my parents watching the bird box yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know? sure, so yeah. all people of my age and you know it takes that long you yeah no but you get you really get into watching the birds going in and out and which bird I'm box are they going to go okay, for are they building Sarah's going to throw <laughs> up in a second because we're now painting <laughs> well, ourselves well actually I'm the only one that does that live in the, the country. country and I this is all in front of me and I think I sent you guys yes, um, you the video of the otter that's yeah, the, the river den so yeah no it is lovely it was amazing okay well speaking of which we're going to go for a walk on the beach here in beautiful Ballybunion the sun is out um, so we wind up our conversation Sarah Carey Angie Mazzetti Carol Hunt uh, thank you very much I'm Barbara Scully this podcast can be found on everywhere where you get your podcasts so enjoy and spread the word 